Essentially, there's still a lot of discrimination that happens in uh, both public and private facilities um, in relation to the LGBTI people. In many of the public clinics and in our communities themselves, you know, there are distinct lines for people who have tested HIV positive and who come lead to them receive their medication. So just by being in a particular line, people can recognize that certain people have HIV, which is a measure of disclosing their status to the public. And, you know, this puts these people at risk to be stigmatized. And, of course, in close-knit communities, people know each other, so news travels fast about who is HIV positive or not. So those are one of the first things that come to mind. But essentially, the healthcare system in general, we found that nurses and then also doctors are not really sensitized enough on LGBTI issues. So a lot of the time, there are things that take place like misgendering, um, especially when it comes to trans individuals. Sometimes the ID document and the patient's um, appearance in reality differ. And this is obvious sometimes causes huge speculation amongst nurses. Sometimes nurses then forgo measures of confidentiality and they make a spectacle of the person who is supposed to be in the key. Furthermore, there's also a measure of secondary victimization that occurs, especially in instances of, in inverted commas, collective rape, when women do go and report a rape to the J81 centers. Sometimes they are asked, um, questions that are very intrusive, that are inappropriate, and that causes secondary victimization. So these are just a few of the things that affect the LGBTI community. But further than that, there's also a measure of availability of medications and um, treatment that is specific to LGBTI people. I speak specifically of HRT treatment for trans individuals. Um, there was a period in time where there was just a complete lack of testosterone in the country, and this was very traumatic for transgendered individuals because, for instance, trans men who had stopped bleeding um, when they went on testosterone now start menstruating again, and that in the holistically is a trauma that they experience. So there's a lot of barriers in terms of health um, when it comes to pronouns, um, access to medication, being supported in terms of of getting the correct services and being protected by the people that serve you that usually affect the LGBTI community. I know civil society has brought its part in creating safe spaces and healthcare facilities that are accessible for LGBTI individuals. So when they go to that kind of um, organization, they know, for instance, that the nurses are sensitized, that they're not going to be asked inappropriate questions, that there's a measure of understanding about sexual orientation, gender identity, and also the variance of sex characteristics. So they won't feel uncomfortable or the questions won't be intrusive. But in the same case, it is also necessary to ensure that there's not a marginalization of LGBTI people in our society. And for that reason, healthcare professionals across the board need to be trained in a manner to be sensitive to LGBTI issues so that when people walk into the facility, they have that access to a respectable healthcare where people are, where they are insured dignity and where they get the same treatment as everybody else. We cannot allow 
certain organizations to be erected for LGBTI people without ensuring that state facilities and also um, public facilities are accessible to LGBTI people. They are citizens of the country. They have as much right to accessible health care and also to be treated with the same amount of dignity as the heterosexual and also cisgendered counterparts. Is government doing enough to address challenges facing the LGBTI community, especially in accessing health? I think with regards to government, there's been a lot of progress in understanding the scope of health care that is needed, that needs to be provided for LGBTI people. But in certain cases, there's still a lot of drawbacks. One of the most, you know, easiest things to recognize, for instance, is just filling in a form. Our current forms are very binary. They refer to male and female. They make no place for people who have a different pronoun than she or he. There's no accessibility for non-binary people or gender non-conforming people or trans people who do not feel comfortable fitting into those binaries. And so that is the first failure, you know, even on our birth certificates. There's no space to express a, a, the variation of gender in our society. And so it becomes difficult later on where your ID document shows a gender marker and also barriers in even changing your gender marker in our country. And then also the fact that intersex individuals or children face infant genital mutilation with parents and doctors decide on their behalf of what gender they should be. So there's a lot of intricacies in terms of access to health care that is very administrative that can be remedied by other models of other countries. And I think government has taken cognizance of the plea from civil society on the need for these changes. But of course, the speed and the rate of these changes are very slow. And so in that regard, we still see a lack of urgency around care for LGBTI individuals.